This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Kate Foster, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Now, let me introduce Kate. She's a children's book writer. She writes books about friends, family, and dogs. She's originally from southeast of England, now lives on the beautiful Gold Coast, God's country, they say, don't they? They don't believe so. <laughs> she lives up there with her family and her rescue dogs, of course. She loves eating cake, reading books, and watching cooking programs on TV. We are very similar. Yeah, are we? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. We BFFs. Are, we absolutely are. Um, so Kate's here today to talk to us about her new book and, of course, what's it called? It's called Pause. It is, yes, Pause. Short, sweet, simple, can't forget it. Talk to me about Pause. Okay, so Pause is middle grade. Yeah. Uh, so kind of that, yeah, 8 to 12, I guess, but oh, obviously we know with kids the reading yes. comprehension is vast. It's a very sort of quiet book, I guess, um, about an 11-year-old boy who um, is autistic and he desperately wants a friend. He's going to be graduating from primary school soon, desperately wants a friend before he starts high school. Um, So the story is about this foolproof plan he puts together, 100% guaranteed, going to have a friend by the end of it. Obviously, as we know, books have to... (laughs) problems yeah exactly delves into all the things that go wrong but what he does have is um a friend who is a dog his beautiful pet spoodle or cockapoo depending on where you're from um who is one step ahead and is pretty much sorting things out in his own way Mm. Lovely story. I mean, it's so interesting. You know, um, I don't read a lot of children's books. I only read the ones that I'm going to talk to the authors of. But occasionally I I do like picture books, actually. One of my favourite picture books is John Brown Rose and the Midnight Cat by Jenny Wagner, and I call my dog um, John Brown after that. Oh, okay. (laughs) And what I find with kids' books is the simpleness of the story is the most compelling part, isn't it? Just the Mm. simple themes, aren't they? Most definitely, yes. I find that especially middle grade in particular, that's where my heart is. In fact, I don't think personally I've ever grown up from 12. I think that's maybe why I, you know, (laughs) write that, write for that audience. But I find that there's such an innocence um, and simplicity and purity um, to that age group. But you can venture into the the more serious topics in life, um, some of the darker content. You can incorporate it, but it can still have this this innocence and this purity and I think that's just an incredible balance um and I think I read somewhere actually the other day that somebody said you know we talk a lot about our favorite books and so many adults will say a book that they read 
during their middle grade years. Um, it seems to be the time when it has a, reading has a huge impact on us and there's something that we read which maybe redirects us in life or just touches us in some way. Oh, um, and also affirms who we are as a person, I think, because reading teaches us empathy and it's also a window into somebody else's life and very often you find that connection and that similarity in somebody else's story. I mean, the book that was completely formative for me um, outside of John Brownrose and the Midnight Cat was Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a book yeah. that I read very early on and has never left me really. And I've gone back to reread it over the years. But I think it's that discovery of, of realizing that there are people out there that are like you, that think like you, that, yeah. you know, that I think is very, very important to Absolutely. informing a young person, isn't it? Oh, 100%. It can just provide, books can just provide so much when you're young. And mm. not just books, like I'm a firm believer that um, we should be encouraging our children to read anything. You know, yeah. I don't necessarily think it has to be books. You can do, you know, your graphic novels and your comics. You Absolutely. know, why not read articles online? If mm. it's reading, for me, it's it's discovery and it's opening mm. up new worlds. Um, but yeah, there are so many books um, I remember reading. Strangely enough, a lot of fantasy I don't write that. I don't. Obviously, at the time when I was that age, I wanted to read a lot of fantasy books. Um, so I think perhaps, um, certainly with my life, perhaps that was to escape. Um, I think to um, to to be able to escape into my brain and out of the real world. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's something that's really important for children. To be able Just to before do. you today, I was speaking to this fabulous Indigenous writer called Adam Thompson, who's written mm-hmm. a collection of um, short stories. Fantastic. I don't know how old he is, but he's probably in his early 40s, first book he's written, but he's, he told me he'd been a storyteller all his life. I yeah. mean, he's an orator. He told a good story. So storytelling always been there. And at night, sometimes I'm reading to my nieces and nephew and I put down the books and then I tell them a story that I'm just yeah. making up in my head. Those are magic, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A number of stories just on long car journeys that I've told yes. my, my children and you are just, you know, totally winging it, just making up up as you go Um, but it's brilliant because you know sometimes their input will guide me on what comes next Mm. Um, so stories are just everywhere they're all around us all the time Mm. Um, so tell me Kate how did you come to writing uh, well I've been writing forever oh because you're forever old well, yes. <laughs> Very appropriate for a children's book writer. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been writing since as well, far back as I can remember, um, writing little stories, you know, when I was sort of, gosh, five, I don't know, something like that. I don't know what it was. Something stopped me sharing them. I don't know what point along the path it happened, but writing became a private thing. And I got nervous, I guess, um, shy. I was always a bit shy, still am. So to I, I always thought, oh, you know, don't share, don't share. This is this is not something that someone like you could ever be. You could never write books. You could never be an author. You know, you're just doing it for fun. So where I never stopped writing, I guess, and kept it as a private thing, I just learned and I taught myself through reading, obviously, as well, um, how to kind of put together a, and structure a, a good solid story um, and I went on to uh, have a, quite a few mentorships and joined reading groups and writing groups and so in a way self-taught um, I went on to do sort of online learning as well um, when I became a grown-up so writing's just been a part of me I and think. so has it been your career 
I mean, when did you have your first book published? Um, so this will be my traditional debut. Um, oh, this is your debut. Yeah, absolutely. Not <laughs> in my notes. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I think I probably seriously thought about trying to be published, um, perhaps, um, oh gosh, 10 years ago, perhaps. Right. Um, I had children and, you know, did odd jobs here and there as they well, grew you up. moved from one country to another yeah that that was there as well that was yeah. part of the, of the growing process but I think um and again this was a conversation I had recently with somebody privately that you have to be in the right place as a person I think to write certain books and to take certain paths and I just don't think now looking back although I have regrets that I didn't share more of my work when I was younger that maybe I just wouldn't have been ready Sometimes I wonder if I'm ready now, to be mm. honest. But, um, yeah, I think... You're never uh, ready. You just have well, to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, maybe it's just having the courage, learning yeah, how to... Absolutely. In a courage. But, um, yeah, so it was... Um, it's been... It has been quite a journey to get to this point. <laughs> Lots of ups and downs, um, probably more downs than ups. Um, but, yeah, I to, to have found the team at Walker... So um, you finished writing this book and you'd written many, I guess. Um, yes. And why did you think this was the one to go out with? I have no idea. I really okay. don't. I, 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 <laughs> um, something, something just felt right. I mean, I had been, I had a previous agent who I went on submission with, with a middle grade horror. Actually, I love writing kids horror. Um, and that one, although it seemed to be very popular, didn't, just didn't find a home. And while that was on submission, I was writing pause. And so something about it, the story for the first time ever, I'm not brilliant at drafting. I get very, very stressed. But something about the story just fell out of me. It just was right. And it was the right time. And I think after I'd finished it, it was quite a journey. It was quite therapeutic. It just felt like, yeah, this one's this one feels a bit different. This feels a bit special. And I just hope other people accept it um, and see, you know, what's important about the story. I've talked about this many times on this podcast, but it's all practice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, 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 all the time. Mm. And not just necessarily books. This is something um, as a, an editor that I've given advice to to authors before. Just You don't have to necessarily just be writing one story after another. You know, write blog posts, write magazine articles, write poetry, write anything, write things that you're not going to share just write and I do feel reading is you know yeah writing and reading absolutely um just getting back to just write and write anything uh there's a lovely author called Candace Fox um she writes crime fiction adult crime fiction and she's fantastic and she she lives here in Sydney and I follow her on Facebook I've had her in a couple of times for a podcast she's a really lovely speaker but she just runs very generously runs I think it's half an hour an hour a week just on Facebook you know Mm -hmm. and she says to people just come write with me and the way it works is all they're doing is tuning into Facebook and they're all just sitting there writing and I think wow sometimes and she gets good numbers and I'm thinking what is it I think it's just writing and having a beginning and end and being in a group I guess and sharing ideas and asking questions and getting motivated right Oh, absolutely. And they do a lot of similar things on Twitter. Uh, They have um, 
writing sprints or write sprints or 5am writing club and it's just for anybody you just rock up and you join in and you get look at the hashtag and you see other people who are writing at that time as well and it could be like just half an hour like you say just a very sort of quick this is all the time I've got today (laughs) Um, but I think knowing that other people are in the same place and they're you know tapping out these words it's it's yeah it makes you feel like a sense of belonging I guess because it's a solitary occupation yeah Absolutely. And it doesn't suit everyone to do it solitary. So I actually quite like when I'm writing, when I'm drafting to be to not really read much and not really talk to many people (laughs) Um, (laughs) because I just get very easily distracted and new ideas come along and it's like, oh, my gosh, let's do this one. Um, So, yeah, for everybody, I think some people need other people to to keep them motivated, I guess, hold them accountable as well for the things. Oh, yes, I'm going to write a thousand words this day today. And yeah, they need someone to go. Did you? (laughs) I do that with projects. If I'm going to do something like I'll say, oh, if I'm going to I'm going to break some bread tonight I have to tell a couple of people because then that'll make me do it <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> somebody's gonna say how was the bread <laughs> ah yeah that's right it is very sensible okay so tell me why did you come to Australia oh wow um well my brother lives here he moved out a long time ago and when I first met my now husband, uh, he had lived here previously as well. Both, yeah, love it, Australia, you know, we belong there. Um, my husband brought it up with me and said, well, you know, would you would you consider moving to Australia? And I, I, I'm a very family-orientated person. So at the time, I didn't have any children, but I was like, oh, gosh, no, I couldn't possibly leave my mum and dad. So, yeah, we kind of put it on the back burner, but the, it kept kind of, there was a draw. It was always a draw. And then we had started to have children. And then um, my dad became quite poorly. And I think it made me realise that, you know, you do only live once, you know. So why don't we just go and say, listen, let's go for a year. Let's go see how it goes, see if we like it. And, you know, it'll be an adventure. It'll be marvellous. Um, and we have never left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so the adventure continues. Oh, absolutely. And I hope for a long, long time. And, you know, the opportunities here for my children, uh, the way of life, you know, I'm certainly never going to knock England. It's a beautiful country. Beautiful oh, of course. People. Yeah. You know, I had a wonderful childhood there. But here, there's just something different. There's a freedom um, that I feel here um, and an acceptance. People do seem to be more accepting. I don't know if that's all of Australia, but certainly on the Gold Coast, it's such a transient community. Um, there's always people coming and going, so mm. many different races, and it's just marvellous. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How do you think a sense of place affects your writing? Do you think you would have been a different writer if you'd stayed in England? Um, yeah, I think probably. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe that everything that happens to you affects your writing and what you write and how you approach your writing. So, yeah, so 100%, I think, where you live, um, even just the places you've travelled on holiday, I think they it can give you um, new perspectives and definitely influence what you write and why you write, actually, mm. as well. So you've written about a character with autism. Did you have your own experience of that? Yeah, Talk absolutely. I said uh, so my my youngest son is autistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was diagnosed. Well, he was. Um, I think we've always known he was autistic. And can when, you tell me how that presents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was as a little. I'm talking very little. So kind of that eighteen months. Huge speech delays I think that's one of the things that they say just before I go on I just want to say that you know I don't speak for everybody so no. these are just my experiences and for I wouldn't sure. I wouldn't want to speak for everybody um so yes his huge speech delays very little eye contact was he your first or your second third oh third so you'd known yeah. you'd seen you had some experience yeah absolutely and my mum is actually a pediatric nurse right. so she's um she never switches off the nurse is always yeah. on duty yeah, they know. <laughs> um yeah so she um so yeah we, we kind of noticed that there was just other very focused play um just small signs like that um so we went to see pediatrician like his life wasn't it wasn't affecting his life until he started kindy in the uk and then we knew that there were problems he was not coping with change uh, so when they finished one task and moved on to another, he didn't cope. Um, and there were lots of little things like that that they, the staff were um, reporting back to me. So I think we knew that he needed a bit more support. Uh, so we went to see a paediatrician who didn't really help, didn't diagnose, said, oh, maybe, maybe not. So, oh, you know, <laughs> fine, whatever. Um, so it wasn't until when we moved out here and he started school that we realised he was not uh, progressing very well he was not happy life was incredibly stressful for him um, and so we he had some speech therapy and that's where it sort of came to let's do an assessment because I think he needs help so that's what we did um, and it's been the best thing we did for him mm, you know I'm I not that it's it, some children float through life absolutely fine they're autistic but they don't need that diagnosis that they're fine Um, why do you think that made the difference I think because he needed that a lot more one-on-one at school Mm -hmm. he needed someone to um recognize he he's not the kind of child that has sort of um external meltdowns so it's not obvious that he's not coping or a situation is stressful it's all very internal. So he literally shuts down completely. So he was, he went missing at school as well, where he didn't want to go into the class and wouldn't tell anybody. So he didn't, he just didn't, he just went missing. So that happened a couple of times as well. So there were, there was, it was dangerous, I guess. There was, there was some Mm. real um, dangers um, looming for him. And I can't say we've, we've never looked back. The school have been just incredibly supportive. Mm. He has, he's looked out for, Jane, who works in my office, who you might have had a, a few dealings with, she's wonderful and she's got two grown-up children. I don't know if either of them have got autism. I don't know that. I know that 
one of them's got dyslexia, but she calls autism a superpower. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so wonderful in, in the way she speaks about it. And, you know, I, I only heard that for the first time recently and I thought, yeah. wow, that's a different perspective, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, some people don't like to look at it that way because actually being autistic is hard. It's yeah. incredibly hard work. I recently got a diagnosis so I've reanalyzed my entire life um, and I only found out that I was autistic because I was very anxious. I had terrible anxiety and, and felt very depressed. And I think that's often a way as how it presents as an adult. If you've gone through your life yeah, without wow. realizing you're autistic and you've struggled, but you've put on this mask and you've thought, OK, well, this is how I have to act. This is how everybody acts. Otherwise, I'm just weird. Um, it can reach will pretty much catch up with you when you become an adult and that then it begins to present as depression. And I don't think I'm obviously it's still quite a new thing. A lot of the public think of autism, they'll think of Rain Man, you know, of these very, very few um, examples in the media. And though, yes, of course, some autistic people present that way, it's enormous spectrum. And, and obviously that's why they call it a spectrum. I have read somewhere that um, that women are better at hiding it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's um, a case of being excellent at hiding and doing, as women, to be honest with you, in just being how we are expected to behave in society. But I think it's a case of it not or it hasn't always been easy to pick up autism in girls because um, a lot of the ways it presents can be considered pretty normal. Um, reading, for example, love of animals. Um, you know, these are things which, oh, that's just regular likes, you know. That's describing children. me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's becoming more recognised now um, that girls um because I think that at the moment it, statistics do show that, that boys are far more, there's more boys who are autistic basically than girls, but actually it's because the girls haven't been diagnosed. Um, so a lot of research is going into that, a lot of learning and an awful lot of women in their 30s and 40s being diagnosed. So they've gone through their whole life um, not knowing, just being, trying to sort of fit in and do what, what everybody else is doing. And then all of a sudden it hits them can't cope what prompted your diagnosis was it well, I went to anxious? yeah I was a bit depressed I think yeah. um not really I was a bit lost um and yeah just not in a good place in general without going into too much detail so I knew it was time to speak to somebody I think and just say look listen I'm not in full mental health right now um so I started to see somebody and discovered from that point that um, although I was depressed, I was actually incredibly, uh, had terrible social anxiety, which led to more discussions and questionnaires and all of this, this conversation. So have you ever considered that maybe you're autistic? <laughs> and I was like, well, actually, yes, I have, but, you know, never sort of yeah. pursued it because, um, and that's, that's how it came about. Um, and it's taken me a while to, I guess, own that because I, I think a lot of autistic women feel like they're trying to get attention or they're faking it. You know, I think that's the kind of reaction they probably had from people. Really? Some of, Why? Yeah. Why would you be faking something? Well, that's the strange thing, isn't it? For right. attention, I guess. I don't know. Women are always getting in trouble for wanting attention. So I think it's taken me a long time to kind of say, 
yeah, you know what, you are, and it's okay. And I want to talk more openly about it now because I want children and other adults, I guess, to mm. feel comfortable and say, yeah, you know what, it's all right. You know, we are still human. We're still- well, you've just published a book. You've had a career. I mean, you know, it seems to me that um, once once autism is recognised and, and treated, if you like, through acknowledgement, through therapy, through whatever, it's just a normal life, isn't it? Or whatever. Oh, absolutely. It's normal, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's um it's important that society begins to recognize it um yeah. and make and be comfortable to make adaptations for autistic people. Yeah. Um you know instead of making or, or not letting them in or um yeah making them feel like they're odd or weird, you know, yeah. actually saying, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, we'll yeah. just accommodate you." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, when it came to writing and writing a book, when you think about characters, I mean, it's not like you're writing a character that's autistic. You're writing what you know, right? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I wanted um, to write an autistic character because that was just doing regular things, that was just yeah. living. Yeah. Uh, rather than like writing about autism, I just wanted to write this character. Yeah, they're autistic, but look, you know, this yeah. is all the things that they're good at and they do, and they're just a, they're just a person. So yeah, very much lived experience. I do find that people often get the wrong end of the stick when when they say, well, write what you know, because that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, you just have to, if you're an astronaut, you can only write about being an astronaut no. or, or, you know, yeah. it's it's emotional experience as well. It's, mm. um, it's a whole kind of spectrum of different experiences that we can write about. Mm. So, um, yeah, for me, it was more than just writing an autistic character. It was writing a lot of kind of parallels with my life. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I think we've just run out of time, but I want to say congratulations on the book. It's called Thank Pause. You. It's in middle grade. And if you love animals, <laughs> mm-hmm, love definitely, kids, it's a great story. <laughs> um, and well, should I ask you, or are you writing another? Um, well, there are things I'm not, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about okay. yet. Oh, um, great. I am. I am writing <laughs> More middle grade, yeah. <laughs> good, good. I want to see more. Thank you so much, Kate Foster. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda audiobooks are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. 
Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com code SUMMER. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.